We're going to go to Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter number 32 tonight, Numbers chapter 32. A fellow went to church one night on a cold, snowy night, little country church, and he and one other fellow showed up, and, and the pastor got up there and preached and preached and preached and preached and preached and, and preached and then he preached some more. Finally, he wrapped everything up and uh, went and uh, one of the farmers shook his hand and said, uh, Boy, Pastor, that was, uh, that was quite a long sermon. He said, Yeah, well, I just, you know, I'm supposed to feed the sheep when they come in. He said, well, that's well and good, but when I just have a couple of sheep show up, I don't give them the full load. So, <laughs> anyway, a few sheep here, I believe I'll just go ahead and unload if you don't mind. Amen. <laughs> Numbers 32, I need to get my mind straightened up here. Numbers 32, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Debon and Jazer and Nimrod and Heshbon and Eli. Eliela and Shebam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. I titled the message for tonight, Building Your Home on the Wrong Side of the River. And we're going to think about that for a little while. Um, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I'm so glad to be in this place tonight. I'm, I'm so thankful that we're here, that we can be here, that we can assemble. I'm thankful for every person that's sitting in this place tonight. And Lord, I'm very thankful for those that are watching by live stream. But right now at this point, our greatest need is for you to speak to our hearts through your word. And Lord, so we pray for that unction that only you can give, that power that comes from on high. Lord, the, the, the liberty. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And Father, we need that liberty tonight. Just loose our tongue. Help us. Let us preach. Uh, Father, help to keep us on track that we would say everything that needs to be said. Um, but Lord, to refrain from anything that should not be said. And Lord, might your perfect will be done in every life tonight. We pray and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. And please do be seated. <clears throat> Well, we know that God's promised land for all of Israel, all of Israel, was the land of Canaan. We know that the Jordan River had to be crossed to get into that promised land. And God had told them to go all the way into Canaan. I can't find anywhere in His Word 
Brother John, where it said anything about stopping short. And that's really a great parallel for many Christians today. We shouldn't stop short. God saves our soul and then He wants us to move on to victorious Christian living. There shouldn't be a place to park. There shouldn't be a place to stop. We should be pushing forward, doing everything we can to fulfill our will, uh, God's will for our lives uh, by staying on track. In verse number 3, as he named off, all, named off all those cities, as they named off all those cities, Adaroth and Debon and Jazer and those cities, all those cities that they were speaking about where they wanted to stay, uh, uh, the, the cities or the landmarks were in the land of Gilead. That's not where they were supposed to stay. The tribes of Reuben and Gad and half the tribes of Manasseh had gone and asked Moses to allow them to settle on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, because the grassland there was very good for their cattle. And so because of that, they were known as the two and a half tribes. And here's what's taking place with, with these. Uh, they, they're over there, they have all these cattle, and they decide they need to stop short of what God had for them. Here's what's taking place. Pardon me. They allowed the material blessings of God to determine where they should live. Again, verse number one says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. So they allowed the material blessings of God to determine where they were going to stay, where they were going to live. And, and what I mean by blessings is that that, that which God had provided, uh, that which God has even provided for us, and it could be an, any number of things, money or popularity, uh, a good job, even happiness. And in this passage, it was cattle. It was, all about, it was all about the cattle. We know that God had blessed these tribes with big herds of cattle. But those blessings from God caused them to stop following God. <clears throat> God is very good to us. And the Bible says He reigns on the just and the unjust. He, he blesses us, no doubt. But I've seen that happen too many times. God will bless and then a family stops following God. Uh, that, oh, they might still come to church. They might still give a little, but their heart's just not in it. They grow cold and indifferent to the things of God and just do enough to keep their social appearance up. You know what I'm talking about in the church. And, and they don't really want anyone to know that they're spiritually bankrupt, that they're not where they once were in their walk with God. And if a preacher, if the preacher preaches too hard about their condition, instead of doing something about that, instead of repenting of that and getting right and doing what God would have them do, it just gets them upset. And sometimes even people leave a church because of something like that going on. But when, when we let personal preferences make our decision for us, that's just a great mistake. It's, it's not going to help us one bit. It's not going to guide us in the way that God would have us to go. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying don't let the grassland determine God's will for you. You, you know, that, that job transfer may look like the only logical thing to do, but is it God's will? 
Don't ever let salary be the deciding factor of what God wants in your life. Too many Christians, too many Christians today, too many times Christians today allow the surroundings in life to determine what they do in living for God. And every Christian needs to keep in mind uh, that God will supply our needs as we follow Him. He will take care of us. And as a believer, God is going to want you to be somewhere, no doubt, where there is a good Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church in which you can attend and serve. He wants that. That's, that's one, of His will, uh, one of His wills for every child of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. So these two and a half tribes probably had been talking about it. They'd probably got together and talked about, man, all this grassland. Man, this grass is looking so much greener. I mean, look how much grass we have there. I, this looks better. It looks better than, than where, where we're supposed to go over there, where God wants us to go. And the other nine and a half tribes had to have seen the same thing. I mean, they were there. They saw all the same things, the surroundings and all that. But it, it didn't seem to have the same attraction for them. Uh, so that would indicate that there's some wrong thinking in these two and a half tribes. Somewhere along the way. No, no, no. There, there's, there's people that are thinking wrong. Well, what do you think that was, preacher? Well, their priority was their cattle. I, I mean, the, the reason for that was that they were carnally minded. They were thinking more on the temporal things than they were on the eternal things. I'm saying that when somebody's mind, somebody's heart, somebody's life is carnal, they're going to react carnally. Uh, their decisions are going to be carnal or fleshly or sensual or worldly. We could say it that way. They're just going to be worldly. They're looking more on the world than they are to God. And carnal influence will, will weaken and even defeat a spiritual person. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We have to know that He will guide us along the way. Don't surround yourself with carnal people. That can be very, very hurtful. Carnal people allow their finances to control them. We shouldn't do that. When, when you hear of a person or people emphasizing money, it's usually coming from a very carnal heart, a very carnal condition. <clears throat> you've probably seen it happen along the way if you've been in church very long at all. A husband gets promoted, makes more money, so family buys a couple of four-wheelers. And now, every other weekend, they're, they're out four-wheeling. They're not in church anymore the way that they should be. The blessings they got have taken over, and they care more about those than they do about God. Or they start traveling and sightseeing more. Now, too many use all the extra money for personal pleasure. I mean, not thinking about what more they might be able to do for God. You know, if something like that happens, you get, a, you get a raise. If you're living decently with the amount of money that you were making, then God gives you more. It might be that part of that was supposed to, do, supposed to be used to help His kingdom along the way. Sure. But most do just the opposite, sad to say. They become greedy, want to hold on to it, aren't about to give the way that they should. The money comes in, greed takes over, God doesn't get his share. The folks here that we're, that we're looking at, their unbelieving spirit told them that God was not going to be able to provide grass on both sides of the river. But God's able to provide wherever we might be if we're following him. He's going to take care of us. We can, we can be guaranteed of that. Come on, God is able. Always able. So as they looked at that in that way, they thought, well, this must be the place that we need to build our homes and settle down and raise our families. 
But here's the thing. Oh, no, stay with me here. Here's the thing. To make that decision, they had to ignore all that Moses had instructed them. The instruction that he, got, that he had gotten from God to give to the people. They had to ignore all of that. And the same kind of thinking today is prevalent among so many Christians. God had brought them to a certain point in life, but all of a sudden they decide that he can't take them any further without their input, without their contribution. I, I mean, we seem to think that we have to help God out every once in a while making decisions instead of just taking him at his word. But his word is always sure. His word is always true. His word is always right. His direction is always the best direction. Always has been and always will be. We have to learn to allow God to guide our lives. To allow God to be God. We have to let God be God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen day by day. He knows what your need for tomorrow will be. He has already planned out and can see you through whatever you might face. If you will allow Him to do so. We have to be able, uh, uh, we have to, be able to allow Him to do so. The problem is His supply. Listen to me please. The problem too many times is his supply may not be what you want. And so you reject it. Uh, thinking about the story we have here, I'd have to say don't let your cattle, don't let your profession dictate where you're going to live and what you're going to do. Determine first where God wants you to be and after that know that he will make a way for you if you are right there where he wants you to be. He's going to take care of things like that. These two and a half tribes, they didn't, they, they didn't see how God could possibly make grass grow on the other side as green as it was on their side. But that was their downfall. It hurt them. And, and I have to wonder, are there Christians in this church with that same mindset? I, I'm telling you, where God leads, He will provide. And so we have to be willing to let God put us where He wants us. Don't, don't let the green grass of, if Gil, of Gilead convince you to go against God uh, in His will for you and your family. There may be people in this room right now who think more about their cattle, okay, their financial status than they do of God. If it were to come down to choosing between God and your bank account, would you choose the money? We have to be careful. Remember the Bible says that you cannot serve God in mammon. You can't do it. No, 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 no. And mammon, what's mammon? It just means wealth. Which would also include the desire to be wealthy. If a person's wealth or, or, or the desire to be wealthy requires more of them than their love of God does, then loving mammon may have first place in their life. And we have to be careful of that. I, I, I know this, when a person genuinely gets saved, their desires change. When I got saved, my desires changed. I, I, I mean, I, I saw things different. I wanted things to be different. And, and money or the desire for money becomes, becomes a, a means of, of serving God. I mean, they want to be able to do more for God. They begin to give God more. They don't, they don't, no, no, no. They don't increase their lifestyle. They change the manner in which they give to God. The, the matter of hoarding money is gone. The, the Bible, no, and let me stop right there for just a second. It, it's, it's right to prepare for the future. It's right that we would put back. It's right that we'd be prepared for things like that. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about just, 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 I'm not talking about just, just giving everything away unless God would have you to do that. But the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And if money becomes more important to you than God, you have a problem. And it's a problem, please listen to this, it's a problem that could cause you to make bad choices for you and for your family if your thinking doesn't change. Because that's what these people did. 
Their cattle were more important to them than God was. That they loved their possessions more than they loved God. So they looked at all of this, and the grass was greener right there than it was across the river, and it just seemed obvious. Stay with me here. It just seemed obvious, obvious what they were supposed to do. But the obvious is not always God's will. <clears throat> Verse number four says, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land of cattle, <laughs> and thy servants have cattle. Uh, really, I can, I can just hear Moses speaking to the leaders, excuse me, of each of these tribes. They come and talk to him, and it's like, well, wait, wait, guys, don't build your homes over here. It's the wrong side of the river. This is not, no, no, this isn't where God wants us. Go over, go on, go on over to the land that God has promised us because you're stopping way too soon. You shouldn't stop here. Canaan is right before us. So come on, let's go on over and go on over together. And I have to think that their, their response was probably something like this. Look, Moses, look. Okay, Moses, we've been following this long. But uh, can't you see that this is great land for cattle? I mean, look around you. Man, all this green grass everywhere. And... Uh, we have cattle. I mean, look at all our cows. So it just has to be the will of God for us to build our homes here. I mean, it's pretty obvious that God wants us right here. I mean, why else would all this grass be here if God didn't want us here? But I'm here to tell you tonight what a, what a horrible mistake they were making. They were making a mistake, mistake by, by looking at what they thought was obvious. It was not God's will for them to stop before they go all the way to victory. It wasn't God's will. Come on, we know that. We've already read the story. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't God's will. And the same is true with you and me. God has not set up a place for you that is short of His determined will for your life. He doesn't want you to stop short. He wants you to keep going. He wants you to have that victorious Christian life. He wants you to be where He would have you to be. He wants the very best for your life and knows how to get you there if you're willing to follow Him. You may think that you have found something that will be better than what God can provide, but if you're thinking like that, you're making a mistake because there's nothing better than what God has for you. Ever. No, no way. I've had families come and tell me that God had something better for them in another part of the country. I asked them how they knew that. And it seemed like they always uh, said that the circumstances were just obvious. Come on, preacher, we've, we've looked at all of this, you know, and things have been kind of hard here, and, and we just think it'd be much better, you know, for our family. And besides, we're going to make more money over there. There was a, a good job waiting at a certain place, so it was just obvious that that's what God had for them. It's obvious that God wanted them to move. And of course, one of the very first questions that I ask is uh, about the church that they would attend. And it seemed like it's always the same along the way. Oh, come on. There's got to be one around there somewhere. We'll find a good one to attend once we get moved over there. But their priorities were all wrong. I said their priorities were all wrong. Oh, oh yeah. In their eyes, it was just too good to pass up. But, but we're going to see here what happened to these two and, a half, two and a half tribes. And then we'll see if... They thought it was too good to pass up. Anyway, some families that have left, some families that have left here have never moved their membership to a church in a new location. 
And that just tells me that they never did find a church like they intended to. And what a shame. No, no, what a shame. We all, no, no, everybody needs a good Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church. To raise their children and to grow and serve the God. Absolutely so. Yes, absolutely so. Never, not, come on, brain. Never leave a church for a better job unless you know that God's moving you. Which would include a good church being available there. I'm, I'm telling you, you'd be better to skip the raise and salary and keep your family in a good church. To make sure that you are where God would have you to be. That's the very safest spot for anybody and everybody. Absolutely. What I'm saying is, 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 is the obvious is not always God's will. In fact, it may be just the opposite. The, the least obvious may be God's will. And if you follow the obvious, you may come up short of what God has planned for you. We can see a few examples of that in the Bible, can't we? There's Bible examples. Uh, okay, let me share a few of those then. Think of Elimelech and, and Naomi. There they were living in Bethlehem, Judah. And there was a famine that came into the land. So Elimelech decided he was going to move his family to Moab. And it seemed obvious to him that they should leave Bethlehem, Judah. Because, I mean, food was scarce there. Times were extremely hard there. But... They apparently didn't understand that God had placed a curse on Moab. Uh, Moab was the son of Lot by incest relations. And in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 3, the Bible says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. So it was not long until Elimelech and his two sons had died after they moved to Moab. And the rest of the family was left there alone in that strange land out of the will of God. And we know the story. Naomi returned back home full of bitterness because of all of it. The obvious was not so enticing now. It's a little bit different story now. And we think about Abraham and Lot. We know that they parted ways. And as they did, Lot looked down. He saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. He settled there. He raised his family. Listen to me. He raised his family in the bright lights of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was never able to get his family out of those sin cities. Part of them died there. I'm telling you, you better look at the obvious really, really good before you start moving toward it. Because that may not be the place that God wants you to be. It, it, it seemed obvious to these two and a half tribes that the grassy land was the perfect will of God for them. But it was not the perfect will of God for them. Not at all. We have to be careful sometimes a wife will put pressure on a husband to increase their income so that they can increase their lifestyle. And the only way he knows how to do that is take on a different job with, with more hours or a second job which affects the home life. And then in a year or two, the family's dysfunctional and many times that ends up in divorce. Don't let the obvious dictate to you. Then we think about Elijah. Elijah was sent to a widow woman's house to find food. And when he got there, it was uh, obvious that she had nothing whatsoever. She didn't have enough for herself. She didn't have enough for her son. But the obvious was not the issue. Because God had sent him there. Okay. Elijah, get up and go to this widow woman. She's going to take care of you. Got there. She don't have nothing. She don't have nothing. That's good English, isn't it? She don't have nothing. 
she didn't have anything. Come on, Bill. <clears throat> but God had sent him there. And with just a little meal in a barrel, there was enough for God to work with. And God provided for Elijah and the widow woman and her son. Think about the children of Israel when they came to the edge of the Red Sea. And it was obvious there was no feasible way to cross. So, so it must be God's will for them to turn back to Pharaoh, right? I mean, to turn back to the security of Egypt. Good grief, here they are. I mean, they're going to die if they don't turn back. This is going to be terrible. But the obvious was not God's will at all. God delivered them from Pharaoh's army in his own miraculous way as he opened up the ocean, opened up the sea for them to cross on dry ground. He delivered them. Be careful about letting the obvious determine God's will for you. I, you know, I, can, I could not encourage anybody enough to be very prayerful about decisions you make, about where you go, where you're going to be, or whatever. I'm telling you, it, it may look like things would be better someplace when they'd never be better someplace else, for sure. But we've got to think about this. These two and a half tribes, their decision not to go over was going to end up influencing others also. Look down verse number 7. We didn't read that far. <clears throat> well, verse 6, read it for context. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And, and, wherefore, and wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord had given, hath given them? <clears throat> You know, there's always going to be someone that's going to follow you, even if you're wrong. I'm here to tell you tonight, Dad, your children will follow the decisions you make. And uh, if you choose wrongly, then your children's going to be greatly affected. I mean, if you move off to Moab, they'll marry Moabites. If you live in the bright lights of Sodom, they'll accept the lifestyle of Sodomites. When you choose the grassy land over the place that God has chosen for you, you're going to take people with you. And it may be disastrous for them. It may not work out well for them. Elimelech's sons died in Moab. Lot's kids died in Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, could that have been the result of a wrong decision made by those men? These two and a half tribes had an obligation to the rest of the Israelites. The plan of God for all of Israel had not yet been completed and God expected them to be a part of the whole nation of Israel. They should have just been ready to move on with the rest of the crowd. Here's the principle in all of this. When you decide to slack off in doing God's will, so will someone else. I've often wondered if Elimelech would have gone to Moab if he had known the outcome what the outcome was going to be. I highly doubt that. And here's the sad part. Usually those people that you take with you will be your family. I, I, I've heard it said so many times. 
something like this. Pastor, well, we feel, let me stop that, bad word, don't operate on feelings. No, 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 that's bad. Pastor, we feel like God is moving us away from this church. Why? I mean, before you ever leave a church, you should have clear biblical direction for your authority to do so. I mean, you, you, to move on feelings alone could be spiritual suicide. I'm not saying that God won't ever move you. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that we need to have very clear spiritual direction before we just up and move away from a church where God has us. Don't take yourself out of what God has planned for you. When you do so, you'll take people with you and then you'll have to give an account of them also one of these days. So here's the bottom line of all of this. Their families, the one that decided, the ones that decided to stay there, their families were raised on the wrong side of the river. They're raised on the wrong side of the, the river. Look all the way down to verse number 26. Verse 26 says, our, our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. They'll be there in the cities of Gilead. Gilead was the wrong side of Jordan. They weren't supposed to set up homes there. It was not God's will for them to set up homes there. It was a compromise is what it was. It looked good to them. They thought it was going to be best. But it wasn't what God had for them. God had never uh, intended for them to settle for less than the promised land. And the men of these tribes decided that they knew better than God about where to settle down and where to raise their families. They compromised. But their compromise affected their children and their service to God. And that's always true. It will always be true. I don't know that I know a situation where a lesser commitment to God was chosen and then the family came out in victory. I don't think, I, I, no, 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 I, I really don't even think it's possible. I think that anytime we turn away from what God would have us to do, that we're going to have to pay the consequences for that. Every time. I've seen, I have seen 65 years of life. And during those 65 years, even though I did not grow up in a Christian home, I've seen the culture change. The culture has changed. In my early years, I can remember even though, again, that we didn't grow up in church and weren't in church, I can remember that families gave place to God in His righteousness. They respected the things of the Lord. And now with a lot of people, God for the most part is just ignored. He's ignored. Oh, no, no. They have a form of godliness. I mean, they, they go through their religious motions, but there's no power thereof. There's no holiness. No determination to follow God no matter what. It's just something they do. 
And there's a lot of people in this room right now that grew up under this latter culture. And I cannot even begin to encourage you enough to always put God first. Don't, <laughs> don't let Google make decisions for you. Don't be more influenced by the culture of the world right now, of our society right now, than you are influenced by God. It's important that you don't settle down on the wrong side of the river. The plan of God is for you to continue your walk with Him until you've entered into that land of victorious Christian living. He really truly does want all of us to be victorious Christians. That our light shines brightly. That we're the salt of the earth that we should be. That's what He wants for us. To choose otherwise is to severely hurt, maybe even destroy your family. I really felt like, uh, I really feel like this message is like holding up a warning sign and hoping somebody's going to take heed. And to us older folks, uh, let's not go back over the Jordan to the area of the grassy land. There's still plenty for us to do too. God still has a plan for us. The latter years may seem like that we should go back to a place where it may be easier to live, but that could be a wrong decision to make. Let's just keep ourselves pointed in the direction that God would have us to go because others are watching us, even us old folks. And some may follow us. And we may have to travel a little bit slower, <laughs> but, but let's keep our eyes on the promised land. These that didn't want to go all the way with God. Well, they had to pay the price later. Because see, these were the first ones to be captured when the enemy came. Come on, let me show you that. Stay with me here, come on. Stay with me here. Let me show you that and we'll, go, we'll choose upsides and go home before it gets too cold. 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 26. The Bible says this, And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tilgath Pilneser, king of Assyria, and he carried them away. Listen, listen. Even the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them unto Halah and Habor and Hara, and to the river goes on unto this day. They weren't where God wanted them to be. And so they were the first ones that were captured by the enemies. And we have to understand what I just read there was 152 years later. 
So every person who had been initially involved in this decision and staying in Gilead was probably dead by this time. But their children suffered and paid the price for the decisions that they had made to not follow God all the way. Their children paid the price. Their position was vulnerable to the enemy. Well, what a shame when parents allow their homes to be vulnerable to the devil. 1 Peter 5 says, Be sober, be vigilant, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. The wrong side of the river is the place where God's not as important. The social life demands that God not requires much of our time. And the devil's going to start wherever he can get a foothold. And if that place is in your home, you and your family will be in direct line of fire. And it's not going to turn out well. You know, it's much easier to grow cold and backslide when you're not in the place where God wants you to be. We need to all be right where God would have us to be. And when you begin to allow TV to control your evenings and the companionship of the families ignored, you're leaving yourself uh, vulnerable to the devil. And I guarantee you, he will seize every opportunity he can to strike a death blow to your family. He'll do everything he can. Every family that breaks up, every person that turns away from God always starts with a compromise in their spiritual life. The Bible's ignored. Righteous living is ignored. Following God's ignored. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that one day, these two and a half tribes looked up and the armies of Assyria had gathered there and they were preparing for battle against them and it was too late to repent and go over the Jordan. It was too late for them. Cain and then was too far away. They'd never get there. We have to be careful to keep our eyes on God. If, if you set your interest on the wrong side of the river, you'll eventually pay a great price. And if you don't have to pay the price, you can be pretty assured that your children will. So we have to ask ourselves tonight. Ask yourself tonight, what are your spiritual decisions based upon? Your spiritual decisions, what are they based upon? And is there anything in your life that is keeping you from doing exactly what God would have you to do? And if there is, I would encourage you even tonight just to get it out of the way. I mean, as soon as possible. Before you have to pay the consequences of that. I'm thankful that we serve a very gracious God. 
our Heavenly Father is gracious and merciful and forgiving and caring and wants to guide us in all that we do. And even if we've made bad decisions in the past, we can make right decisions and get on track and head the way that God would have us to go because our God's a God of a second chance. He loves us that much and cares about us that much. Are you building your home on the wrong side of the river? Don't let it happen. Make sure you're right where God wants you to be. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you do care about us the way that you do. And thank you for stories in the Bible like this one that give us divine direction. Help us to see that uh, we can make mistakes if we're not careful. We can make wrong decisions if we're not prayerful. We can be doing things that are contrary to what you would have us to do and think we're doing just exactly what we need to do. Father, help us to be prayerful about everything. Help us to put you first in every decision that we make and everything that we do. Help us, Lord, to get things out of our life that have seemed to take a place, a place of importance they don't need, a place that's more important than you. Help us, Father, to be determined to know your perfect will for our lives and, Lord, to live it out just the way you would have it done. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. We pray these things and ask you to bless this time of invitation as only you can. If we ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's stand to our feet. Piano's going to play. Some have already made their way to an altar. Maybe you need to come tonight or make an altar where you are. Just let God have his way in your heart, your life tonight. Whatever he might have you to do. He wants to help us. He wants to guide us. He wants to keep us from making bad decisions. He doesn't want us to put things before Him. Whatever God would have you to do, just let Him have His way.